All right, and if you guys need a Bible, raise your hands. We'll have some guys passing Bibles out. Definitely want you to have the Word of God. If you don't own a Bible, feel free to keep that as a gift from the Lord today so you can read along with us as we go through it. And uh, I'm going to introduce a good friend of mine. If you guys were at the marriage retreat, you already got blessed um, as Pastor Wayne Taylor and his wife shared the Word with us. And Wayne has been here multiple times before. Um, He is a retired pastor in the sense that he's not the lead pastor at the church he founded up in Seattle anymore, but he's still very much going strong for the Lord and getting to travel the world and share the word, really. So it's always a blessing when he's able to come down here and share. So Wayne Taylor is going to come up and share the word with us today. Hello, how are you guys doing? Good, you get enough sleep? Good. Sounded like it during worship. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, retreats are very special times because you get to spend, you know, more time um, talking and, and hanging out and um, and hearing the word and kind of asking and answering questions. Um, so I thought it was an awesome time. So, so great. And Chris and Sarah, and what's your, what's your son's name right there? Benjamin. That's a good Bible name. You know what it means? Yeah. Son of right hand. Sweet. That means you're a special son. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Jesus is the right, at the right hand of the father, right? Yeah. He's pretty special. Well, anyway, um, I wanted to mention uh, one thing that uh, Pastor Chris said he'd like us, like me to share as well. And that is, have any of you been to Israel, for example? Anyone taken a tour of Israel at all? Um, they say that if you take a seven or eight day trip to the Bible lands, it's like a year of Bible college. Only more fun, you know, and just more um, that just fills and overflows. Anyway, um, I've been thankfully blessed to take tours of people to Israel. This isn't about that. But um, I also realized in doing that 18 different times and the people being blessed that there are other Bible lands, two others in particular, that are incredible places where there are memories of places in the Bible. And that is Turkey. The seven churches of Revelation are there. And many other things happen in the in the nation of Turkey, which we would have called Asia Minor back then. Um, and then there's just Greece. And Greece is my homeland. I'm, I'm Greek, a quarter Greek. And um, I've never been... To the mainland of Greece. I've been to some of the islands of Greece. So anyway. In reading through the Bible. And, and studying Thessalonians. First first books of, of the New Testament. That they think were written. Were first and second Thessalonians. Really interesting about. The second coming. And about faith, hope and love. Uh, first and second Thessalonians. But anyway. And then there's Philippians. How many love the book of Philippians? Come on. I am... Th- if you don't like that, we need prayer right now. But anyway, uh, Philippians, there's uh, uh, Corinth, Corinth, there's uh, Athens, of course, where where Paul spent time there um, on Mars Hill and the Areopagus and so on. And he was debating and, and preaching about the the God that, you know, basically had no name to them but he said it's jesus anyway there are all these places and some of them are actually up on the screen i don't know if if we had had that but um your pastor printed out a brochure which i forgot to bring i forgot to bring brochures but he printed some out on that are on the info table and um so i wanted to say if kind of in the in the spirit of Spending more time concentrated, it's one of the absolute best. 
going up out with a group of people or being in cloistered with a group of people and then seeing actual places where they happen um, is, is just really incredible. Anyway, if you're interested in that, those that info stuff is on the back table and uh, you can check that out. All right. It's not until October 2nd through 11th. So there's plenty of time to think about it or also save up. <laughs> okay. Let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 4. We're going to talk about how to overcome temptations. How to overcome temptations. And we see here up close and personal how Jesus overcame temptations. You say, well, wow, that wouldn't have been hard for him. Well, he was tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. And he had appetites that are not bad. Appetites are generally not bad that God's given us. But then we can misuse them and abuse them. And and that's when we get into trouble. It's mainly that's mainly what sin is about. You know, that we we do it, but not in the way he has given for us to do it. It's just that some of the things he's given us. For appetites and desires, they are super cool. You know what I mean? Like, how many like hunger as a as a, a temptation? You know, I'm I'm tempted by like Haagen Dazs vanilla chocolate almond ice cream. Anybody tempted by that? I eat the entire pint if Kathy buys one every time, and I tell her, "Don't do it, hon. That's you're trying to tempt me to sin." But so there's a kind of abusing things, right? And and plug the ears of, of the children next to you, but like having relations and having children, it's there's a it's fun. I mean, you know, there's a lot of it that's a blast. And then there's other parts that you go, huh, I don't know. But see what what we're saying? Now that those were things that the Lord totally just did God's will. Only did God's will for his life. Let's read about that, okay? As he was tempted in the wilderness. We're in John or excuse me, Luke chapter four and verses one through fourteen. Let's read that. It says Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time. And the devil said to him, all the authority, all this authority over these kingdoms, I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then he brought him to the to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. Now, when the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went out 
through all the surrounding region. And he taught them in the synagogues, being glorified by all. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus. You sent him to destroy the works of the devil. And Lord, you did such a great job of it. But so many don't know that freedom. They don't know that victory. Even, Lord, your children, we we struggle with stuff. And we want to learn how to overcome. Lord, we want to be overcomers. And that overcoming is by trusting you and obeying you. So, Lord, show us how to overcome these temptations, Lord. Teach us your ways, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, one thing we see right off the bat is the devil and his demons, they like to craft temptations to fit the individual. They study their prey. And they know your weakness. And they're going to go after you. We see this even with Jesus, that they crafted the temptations for him to attack him. And, of course, Lucifer knew of Jesus since a long time. And Jesus would have been a hard one to to tempt and succeed. And, in fact, he was. And it was, in a sense, impossible. And yet, like we talked about, the natural appetites, they're not wrong, but they can be idolized and misused. And not only hunger and not only relations together, but many things that we have, even even ambition. You see, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. You know, that's why Jesus came. He came to to bring good news and the kingdom of God to the nations of this world, to the people of this world, of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. But here the devil is saying, I'll give it to you because Adam gave it to me. Adam and Eve, they turned it over. They disobeyed God. Instead of ruling over the world in a godly manner, They ended up messing up badly. So Jesus is not tempted because he has a fallen nature. But he's tempted by things that are part of being human. And in some cases, being human in only the way Jesus can. As the God-man. He came to be the Savior, the Messiah, the Anointed One. The One that would save the world. But in order to do that, He had to be without sin. Because His entire weight of sin was all of our sins on Him. And he was the God-man who could bear the sins of all mankind. All humanity. Not just the sins of one other man. A perfect man could take the place and die for the sins of one other man. But who's going to die for all humans? And pay the price to redeem every single one who will receive it. That's what the Lord does. He makes a new creation. In Christ. Now, these temptations that Jesus went through, I I can't really relate to. He's never tempted me to turn stones into bread. Anybody, you've been tempted to do that? But Jesus was. You know, think after 40 days and nights of not eating, they say that you can go six weeks and then you start you begin to starve to death. You're really in a bad place. 
after that. He was 40 days. He's starting to starve. And he can turn stones into bread. I can't even turn flour into bread. You know? But he knows. He could use those powerful gifts and anointing of the Holy Spirit to do it. But he wasn't using that for himself. It was for others. He multiplied bread and took care of their needs. He didn't go for what the devil was saying. I've never been tempted up on the pinnacle of a roof to jump off. Right? I'm I'm scared of heights. So I don't even like to go on a roof. My dad was a roofer and I would help him. And I wouldn't get near the edge. Dad, you do the ones near the edge. But Jesus was tempted. Make your life exciting, Jesus. Do some fun things. Really make it crazy and watch God save you. Hmm. You know, like we said, he crafts his temptations. We're told in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober. In your battles with the enemy of our soul, be sober. Let's be serious. And be vigilant. That word means be alert. A lot of us, we're real dummies when it comes to spiritual battles. We're like every time, well, oh yeah, he got me again on that one. You can have victory. The Lord Jesus Christ, he will give you victory. He'll, He'll give you power to say no, to do the right thing. I've had trouble with certain things a lot. And he shows me that I can have victory. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. You know the devil? He's like the king of beasts in a way. But the the key word there is beasts. You know lions are beasts? From nose to tail end, they're nine feet long. They weigh over 550 pounds. They're they're killers. They know how to kill. They've got paws that are so strong and claws. They're curved. They love to grab like little deer or elk or zebra and grab them and smash them to the ground. And then they'll take their canine teeth and they'll sink it, or feline teeth, anyway, whatever, and sink it into the throat of their prey and then take chunks from there. And they eat 75 pounds per meal. Yeah, they want to eat your lunch. The devil. The enemy. He can roar, too. You know, it's old lions that do a lot of roaring because they're getting a little weaker. I can relate to that. But the devil, either way, he wants to scare the dickens out of you. And he wants to defeat you. And you know what? He hates your children. He'll go after them. Yeah. Because he doesn't want them to keep doing what you've been doing here. He doesn't want you to be part of that. He wants to ruin the whole family and and make it so sad that there's divisions and all this stuff. What is it that heals and, and brings together, you know? It's the love of God. No matter if people fail or not, it's the love of God. And 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 it's hard though. It's hard when you see your loved one hurting. Or it's hard when you're hurting because of treatment by them. That's that's so hard. The devil loves that. He thrives on that. There are people who who can absorb that and bring healing and transformation and new birth. You know, a lot of people, relatives and such, they're not ready to accept the same thing that you do. It's going to take a while. Kind of showing. A lot of preaching the gospel is showing and tell. Showing and telling. 
And sometimes if you show enough, they'll ask. No, what is it? How come you're so nice? You know, well, I'm just a nice guy. You know, that is such a lie. Because we need his love and his love dominating is such a wonderful thing. You know, there's another line spoken of in the lion spoken of in the Bible. In Revelation 5, 5, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he has prevailed. You know, the very first prophecy of the Messiah was right after the fall. Right after Eve and Adam ate the forbidden fruit of the tree. And let's emphasize here what it was. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Optimum word in a negative way, evil. He didn't want them to know evil. He didn't want them to interact with evil. But the devil, the serpent, said to Eve, isn't that good looking fruit? You need a bite. Because God knows, not that, you know, it's a bad thing and you're going to die. You won't die. (laughs) He knows that if you eat that, you'll be as smart as him and you'll know everything he knows. It's the knowledge of good and evil. But he's, then you'll be like him. You can be like God. He's such a liar. He's such a liar. He's the father of lies. There are so many lies dressed up as truth in our nation right now. It's confusing. It's it's annoying, isn't it? It's like you're like, oh, a new lie that's an old lie and a new skin. And okay, now we have to say it by all these names to really prove that it isn't good. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is real. This is all over the world. The devil, he's not creative. He goes for the same old stuff, but in a new package because it works. But the beauty is the lion of the tribe of Judah, meaning the Messiah, who would be of the seed of David, who was of the tribe of Judah. He would come and take all that darkness right after the fall. Eve ate. She didn't become like God. She all of a sudden got scared. Oh no, I need to clothe myself. Here, Adam, have a bite quick. Join me, would you? They both were just so afraid. And they went and hid from the one who loved them the most. When he used to come down in the cool of the day and walk with them in the garden, and they had such special times, and now all of a sudden they don't want to... Be seen by him because they've they messed up. They oh no, you know, and fear just floods their mind and their heart. They're filled with anxiety and worry. What's going to happen now? And the Lord calls out, Adam, Adam, where are you? He wants to see him. He wants to talk to him. What's happened? The Lord knew what happened, but he wanted him to confess. And then. In bringing judgment for that fall, he started with the serpent. And he spoke to the serpent and he said, you know, in the future, the seed of the woman is going to come. And you're going to bruise his heel. And he's going to crush your head. Think of this. Just, I don't even know how long after the fall. But right away. The Messiah is going to come and crush your head and defeat you and completely undo what you have done. God is good. The Lord is amazing. He bruised Jesus' heel. All the sin of mankind was put upon Jesus. He didn't want to die. Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. You know, people people are born into this world to want to live. It's not really healthy. You've, you, you attain consciousness and you go, I really want to die now. It's not a healthy life. Oh, I want to die and you're perfectly fine. That's not, he didn't want to die. But he saw that the only way 
If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. It wasn't. The only way for our sins to be completely judged so that they could have total forgiveness and cleansing. That's you and I. Isn't that awesome? Because of the power of Jesus, he drank the cup of God's wrath and judgment to the last drop of his own blood. This is Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Who will be our master? The real king or the liar? The deceiver, the thief, the murderer. In the battle of the ages, we know that Jesus is going to win. Everything's going to be his. Now, these temptations were given to Jesus because they fit him. And they were hard, in a sense. When he was offering him all the kingdoms of the world, he was saying, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to go to the cross for these people. They're sick. They're horrible. Why would you even do that? I'll give it to you. Just bow before me. You know, that's one of the temptations. It's a big temptation. Don't take up your cross and follow Jesus. Let your flesh do its thing, man. Just let your flesh go wild. Have fun. That's why you're here. Eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow we die, yeah? That's a real nice lifestyle you've got there. That's what the enemy has. Now, that's not to say Christians can't have fun and all these types of things. Of course we can. You can have way more fun. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life abundantly. You know the way of the cross in that sense? It's it's the abundant life. Because the stuff that's going to hurt you so bad and hurt your family and hurt your neighbor and hurt whoever else, it's the stuff that is born of selfishness and hatred and anxiety and fear and and those types of things. Now, when we look at Adam and Eve's temptations and we compare it with Jesus' time of temptation, it's kind of an interesting one to compare those circumstances. So Adam and Eve were tempted in a beautiful, luscious, watered garden. And it was such a great atmosphere. And they still fell. In other words, you don't just have to be in bad times to fall. Jesus, on the other hand, he was tempted in a dry, desolate, terrible desert. Adam and Eve were well fed with delicious fruit. You know, they could have eaten. There were many fruit trees, including the tree of life. It doesn't even record that they ate of it. And then the Lord transplanted it because I don't want you to be have a dying body and live forever. That'd be ugly, wouldn't it? You're going around, mm, you know, you're a raisin and that's it. You're just all shriveled up. No, death is actually freedom in this life when you have Jesus because you go to be with him. And when you do, this mortal puts on immortality and this... Um, corruption puts on incorruption and you you have a new body a new life you're in paradise with Jesus forever if your trust is in Jesus if he's your Lord and not the flesh Jesus was weak and hungry Adam and Eve were surrounded by friendly animals nice garden Jesus, it says, was in the wilderness with the wild beasts. Mark 1.13. But he had a good time anyway. You know, he's not so, you know, upset by the whole thing. He's like, hey, come on, calm down over there, you know. And he hang, hung with them. Seemed to be fine. The amazing thing is Jesus was totally victorious. Whereas Adam and Eve even though they had a, not a fallen nature yet. They went for the lie. Please, keep learning as much as you possibly can from God's word so you don't get tricked. So you really understand what is true and what is not. What is good and what is not. 
That is so important. That's why knowing the Bible is super helpful. And you know what's really, really helpful? Is memorizing verses that fit your weakness. That is the smartest thing that you could do in regards to temptation. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And with the temptation, God will provide the way of escape that you may be able to overcome it. God, that's uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God will give you victory over that because he wants to. And so if you memorize a verse, I have certain sins that are hard for me. I know all the Bible verses on those. And you know what? Because of that, I just go to the one, whichever it is, and I say, Lord, here it is. It's, it's so helpful, you cannot believe. It's so helpful that the devil himself, when he got to the last temptation, all of a sudden he's tempting with Scripture. Right? He quotes Psalm 91 and verses um, 10 and, and 11 there. He'll give his angels charge over you. Throw yourself down. He'll give his angels charge over you, it says in Psalm 91. And in their... Hands, they'll bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Go out there and show off, man. You're the Messiah. Let's do it. Woo! You know, you're not going to crash. Angels are going to grab you. Don't worry. I grabbed some angels. Devil talking. He took a third of the angels down with him. I love how Jesus says, It's been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. The Lord isn't going to tempt you, but the enemy will. We sometimes want to tempt him to do our will. Just do my will, please. It's the best way, I promise. I want to marry her. I want to marry that jerk. I mean, that guy. Please, Lord, let it be in your will. And my mom forced her way into something like that. My dad was a raging alcoholic our whole lives. Wow, what a wonderful family we had. He came home four or five nights a week, beat up my mom. And sent us to our rooms where we heard her screaming. I didn't even know why I was angry as a young man. It was just my life. I'm not blaming my dad. He came to the Lord on his deathbed. And I am so happy about it. But the Lord had to do some major work to help me cope with what he passed on. And, you know, the Lord did that. And we all have stuff. And I think Jesus is the answer for it. How many agree with that? And, you know, sometimes fasting, because Jesus fasted here. Sometimes fasting is a way to learn to be more of a spiritual warrior. Where you will... you'll you'll decide, you know, here's something I really like to do. And maybe it is a, a difficult thing. Maybe it has to do with eating or, you know, something else. And, and so you're going to fast for a, a day and pray. Now, during that day, and your stomach starts growling and all of that, you feel like praying near the refrigerator, whatever you need to do. Anyway, you're, you're there and you're battling. You're You're praying. The time where you'd normally only want to just do fun and games and whatever makes yourself happy. But how about sometimes, not all the time, but just at times, going without. It doesn't have to be food. It could be something else. And, and giving it up for a short time. And then learning how to fight. How to battle. The Lord is amazing. Like, for example, to me, the Lord made food and grapes. He could have made them horrible, but they taste really good. He could have made, you know, steak. Just no good. But it is good. And and I feel really bad for chickens because we love chickens. Like, how many of you like a chicken leg? You know, it's getting towards lunch right now. And they're so good. But God is the one who made them for you, for a blessing, right? 
So fighting, battling against the enemy's points. Now, in 1 John 2, 15 and 16, it tells us the game plan of the enemy in temptation. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, what I find in that verse, the number one thing I find in that verse is, above all, you want the love of God to be super real to you. And the thing that makes it really real is you need it so bad. You think, a lot of us don't repent a lot because we think we're okay. We're really good. No, I'm not as bad as Joe over there. He's That guy sucks. What about you? What about me? I repent several times a day. I've been in ministry for a long time. You know, all this, uh, the Lord's blessed so many things. I repent all the time. Some of it my wife brings up and I need to repent. But mostly the Lord's just the same way. And it's good. See, the more you realize you need Jesus, the better off you are. So that key word there is the love of God, the love of the Father. If, the, if you're just going after love in the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. So make sure and keep receiving from the love of the Father. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. It's more important than anything else because it's what's going to heal your family or bring your family back together or just keep blessing your family more and more and more. I mean, we were in shock at how the Lord took our kids and brought them through the difficult times. Every single one is in full-time ministry. It's all the Lord's doing. Every one is a pastor on staff at a different church. We never tried to teach them, oh yeah, get on staff at a church. No, we were like, we either didn't say anything or told them, in some cases, don't do it. We're in shock. We are. We're amazed. The Lord just did his thing. But we had a lot of times of prayer. Our daughter struggled with lesbianism and temptation in that, towards that for seven years, seven, eight years. We had a lot of prayer and talking. I was, I was like her best friend during that time because I said, Lord, I'm so mad. I want to just come against her. And the Lord says, yeah, you're really smart for wanting to push her into the arms of the devil and make her want it even more. No, just try to be understanding. Keep loving her. Keep talking. She would tell me her issues and end up crying at the end and we were just loving and hugging her and saying, hon, the Lord has a better way. Let's pray for that. And one day she asked my wife, hook her up with a, a really wonderful gal that can show her how to build up those boundaries that she had let go of. And this gal did a great job. Finally, she came to me and she said, Dad, one thing I've learned in, this, in all this time is the more I go towards that lifestyle, I push Jesus out of my life. She's honest. A lot of people today aren't honest. They'll say, oh, I can do whatever I want. He still loves me. Well, of course. He still loves you. It's just that you can't enjoy that love because you're doing stupid stuff. You're doing stupid stuff that's not science. It's made up. It's against true science. It's against the Lord. It's against what his best is. Having relationships with any gender, that's wonderful. In terms of, you know, male and male and female and female and, and vice versa and all that stuff. Yeah, of course. But don't cross the lines. The Lord has made lines. He said, this is what this is and this is what that is. He's very good about that. He's the only totally honest person in the universe is the Lord our God. And he does it because he loves us. 
And then in 1 John 2, 16, for all that is in the world, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life is not of the Father and is of the world. A lot of these things are real problems in the in and among Christians. Because we're human and we're fallen. But he's also creating a new person in the likeness of Jesus at the same time. And so keep pressing into him. Press into that. And the Lord, the Lord will show you his way. Let's look at Jesus' final answer to the temptation. Of course, he was told um, to throw himself down. And Jesus said, it's been said from the word, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Don't try to force God into something he may not want to do right now. But the big one is, look at how Jesus said in verse 8 of Luke 4. Get behind me, Satan. It's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only. Beware of idols. Above all these things, beware of those. I'm not trying to pick on food. I'm not. But it can be a problem sometimes. The children of Israel, he wanted to take them right into the promised land. It doesn't take 40 years to get there. It only takes 11 days if you go there. And they stopped and they worshipped at Mount Sinai, the true God. That was great. And then they could have gone right in. And they were like, no. There's giants in there. That's a bad place. We are going to be killed. Oh, you know, and they're all screaming out and all this stuff. Only Caleb and Joshua are saying, let's go. The Lord will do it. You, you can be a, a Christian that wants to go. I'm not saying be more religious. Just be more in touch with the word and the commands and the promises that keep you free from putting up walls to God and his love. Because the enemy wants to choke you. Choke the life out. So he's going to give you Our Lord is going to give you his Holy Spirit and overflow him. Just this last thought. And that is notice when he comes into the place in the wilderness of temptation. It says Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit went there. Okay. To be tempted. To be tried. It's going to be part of of our training. To fight against temptation. So he went in filled with the Spirit. So I just really want to encourage you. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you every day. You know, there's a really great verse, Ephesians, um, is it 5, 19? Um, Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled. Very powerful verse. Every day, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Because notice how he left once he had gone through it. Then he returned for verse 14, Jesus returned from his time of temptation in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And that's when God just began using him so incredibly. You guys are warriors. You just don't know it yet. Maybe some of you do. Don't think it's you. It's the Lord in you. Working in you and working through you. He wants to do things to help people, to love people. He wants to love your neighbor. He wants to love that person at your job. He wants to care for them. And this church is good at that. You know, I've, I've been here a few times, and I know your pastors. I knew Jason. I know Chris. And this is really a city set on a hill. This. You. And the Lord has more. He's got more. Let's pray. Thank you so much, God. I thank you for these dear people that you love so much. And I pray, God, that you would just encourage them. I pray, Lord, that whatever they need, that you'll just zero in on it and just show them you're going to show your victory to them. 
that like it says in 1 John 3, 8, you came to destroy the works of the devil. And you want to do that in each and every person here because you love them. Let's stand. Stand as we prepare to worship. Maybe just raise your hand to the Lord and say, Lord, fill me afresh. Jesus, take this area that's been such a stumbling block. Lord, fill me with your love I haven't sensed. That need like I need to, or I haven't felt as close in some time. Please, God, just come and take over. Be my master. Him only shall you serve. Thank you, God. Just ask him right there. And Chris is going to come and lead us as we close the service and worship. And God's leading. We're going to go ahead and hit the lights and just have a time of response. But uh, I want to encourage you guys. I love how Wayne pointed out that subtle difference of how Jesus entered into this 40 days, 40 nights in the desert, this this place where he was going to be tempted and how he left, because I think it's really significant. You know, it says, as Wayne pointed out, he was full of the Spirit as he went into this time, but he left in the power of the Spirit. And what that tells me is that the verses in between tell us how to operate in the power and Spirit, something that I think we would all say that we we want to be doing in our walks with Jesus, right? I don't know if you guys, well, I'm pretty sure you probably heard this verse. This is one of those verses that's well known, but um, in Galatians chapter 5, it says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So that's a a well-known verse, and if you're anything anything like me, like when I read something like that, I'm always like, okay, well, that's great. (laughs) I want to walk by the Spirit. I want to live by the Spirit. I don't want to satisfy the desires of my flesh that I know that I've been freed from through the power of God in coming into my life and giving me the Holy Spirit. But how do I do that? How do I, what does that mean to walk by the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, to live in the power of the Spirit? And so this section in Luke 4, I believe, shows us that. Like Jesus gives us this example. And ultimately what it comes down to is, are we submitted and surrendered to God's will over our own? Do we trust him enough That if he says something, and it's opposite of what that appetite in us is wanting, that we say, I'm wrong, and he's right. And I'm going to choose to listen to him over myself and what it's telling me to do. Because that's what Jesus does in every single one of those temptations, right? His response is, but the Father says... In his word, this. As Wayne pointed out, his appetite might have been saying something else. Yeah, I really want food. I haven't eaten for 40 days. I really don't want to go to the cross. I'd rather just have the easy way out. But at the end of the day, the Father's will was more important to him than his. And that's what he remembered. And that's what he recited. And that's what he stood on. And ultimately, what he showed by that is that he was surrendered and submitted to God's will the Father's will over his own, and that allowed him to walk in the Spirit or be controlled by the Holy Spirit. I've said this before. God wants to fill us with the Spirit. He wants to give it to us freely, but not to do our will, to do his will. And so ultimately what we have to be is submitted and surrendered to God so that he can empower us with the Spirit to do his as Romans 12 says, good, pleasing, and perfect will in our lives. Amen? And so as we respond now, we're going to have our prayer team around the room. We're going to worship the Lord. But I encourage you, if if there is a temptation that you know you struggle with, which we all do, every single one of us, we all struggle with the same things at some point or another, but there's that thing you know right now that the Holy Spirit is telling you this is a struggle. 
you have to understand that that's a struggle because you're believing your flesh and in, in, in it, it, the appetite, if you will, telling you that somehow this is something you need. This is something good for you. But the reality is if God says otherwise, it's not. It's destructive. It's harmful to you, to the people around you. And you have to make that decision. I'm going to trust God over all else. And I'm going to listen and do what he says. And then in that faith that you display in believing him at his word, he will empower you in his spirit to walk in that victory over that temptation. Amen? And if you need prayer, because we're supposed to confess our sins to one another, that's what the Bible says, there's healing that comes with that, come up and get prayer. Don't bear the weight of that struggle yourself. Let your brother or sister bear it with you and lift it up to God with you. Amen? Lord God, we're so thankful that we're not expected to fight this battle ourselves. We just spent a week going through the armor of God and fasting and praying and letting you teach us how victory has been one of the cross in Christ. One of, the, one of those things we have victory over is our flesh, not because of anything in our own power, but because Christ, you, his death on the cross freed us from it. We're no longer in bondage to our flesh. We are free Your word says who the Son sets free is free indeed. And now we have your spirit inside of us to guide us and control us. But as Paul points out there in Galatians, it's still a battle because the remnant of our flesh is there trying to tell us that there's other things in this world and Satan's trying to take advantage of those things that appeal to it that we need them somehow or we can't do without them or that they're better for us than what God has. And it's all lies. And Lord, you've given us truth that always proves it to be, to, that always proves itself to be right in every instance. And you've given us that so that we can see those deceptions for what they are and combat them with that truth and stand on it in faith. And then you've given us your spirit to empower us to live in that victory. And Lord, we pray that right now, no matter what our past struggles might have been, that this would be the day of breakthrough for us where we listen to your word and we believe it in faith and look to you trust you to empower us to live in it. In Jesus' name.